Hey, very good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Sean. This is Alex. And you're listening to another episode of Coaster Kings Radio. And today we're talking about... Well, today's an epic preview of <laughs> Epic Universe. I kind of ruined that. Let's record. <laughs> I thought that was kind of cute. Oh, okay. Well, no, I think it was cute. So what we wanted this episode to be is not just another, like, oh, latest news on Epic Universe situation. Doesn't include the latest news as of... October 10th, yes, it does include the latest news as of October 10th, but um, since a lot of people listen to the podcast maybe a couple days after it comes out, or we record it before a new news develops, and Epic Universe is trucking along at such a rapid pace that, you know, the news is always going to be quicker than you are, so um, instead of doing that, and I'm sure you've seen all the videos and heard all the podcasts out there already, we're just going to take a deep dive at like where the resorts kind of at right now, what they're working on. But then we're just going to go through all of the cool major areas and major attractions, kind of dive into what kind of rides they are, what we can expect from them, and then kind of dive in on that and kind of go on tangents and talk about what we're excited for. Um, kind of uh, our preview of Epic Universe from our standpoint. We are and unpacking. I'm really excited for that. We're that? unpacking. Unpacking. Oh my gosh, like one of those unboxing videos, yeah. but it's audio but and it's about yeah, a theme. We're part. unpacking. What it's we strange. know, because like we're not, we've never been like news people. It's not about news. For well, us. I guess we have been on the website and stuff. And but on it's stuff hard that's not getting reported, definitely. And it's harder when you're making a podcast. You have time yeah. to like record it, production it, launch it, all the good stuff. This is all about analysis, exactly. And we are taking the collar off of our cat. Remember? Yeah, there's there a cat right on us, but not anymore. Desk. All right. Um, so yes, <laughs> so we'll start and uh, talk a little bit about uh, what to expect from um, Epic Universe when it comes to the opening timeline. As of right now, expected for summer 2025, apparently they are on track. I mean, stuff is moving fast. Um, it is going to be Universal's largest theme park, actually. Mm-hmm. Cost of uh, a little more than $4 billion, which is a lot of money. Um, good for them. And the park will um, be using... Facial recognition for entry and potential use of it as well for like attractions and going into the different areas, um, but that hasn't been completely, you know, released yet on what exactly they'll be using it for. But it's patented. Do you remember Fuji Q Highland and how your entry to each ride was granted by? Oh my god, I totally had a little photo about booth. Yeah, so and it would take your picture, but you had to slap. Like you had to squat for every picture because you were so tall. Yeah, I'm like so tall. Much <laughs> people, but that's what um, this is reminding me of. Yeah, because like at Fujiku Highland in Japan, every time you go and ride or well, when you enter the park, they take a picture for you and they scan your ticket type, which our ticket included all the rides, I guess. And then when you get to each attraction, you wait through the queue and you get to the station. The student took a little photo booth, and it would, like, scan your face to make sure you had, like, purchased admission to the ride. <laughs> um, so and then wild. you were granted access to go in. I don't think I'll be used at quite the same level, but what we're hearing is that the facial recognition will be used, for example, say that Epic Universe is going to offer special events um, in certain lands. Then if you enter the land, your facial recognition will be used to, to tell whether or not you're part of, say, a special event that has special access to that land after hours or stuff like that. Or um, there's even a concept out there that Epic Universe would be free admission and then everything, you know, all the attractions would require your face to be scanned in order to get access to that. I still don't know if that's really going to be the case of the theme park. Yeah. I don't know if the world is ready for a, the- uh, a free theme park where the themed lands and rides are going to be, like, 
facial recognition, especially when the rest of your resort already operates in such a way where, like, it's single admission for all your attractions. I just don't know if changing that to Epic Universe is a smart idea. I, I thought it's happening. There's a temptation to make the hub of Epic Universe a hybrid between a main midway, like a main street and hub sort of thing, and, and like a, a shopping district. Yeah. We kind of, that's kind of what Shanghai Disney did, too, because they have their um, Disney Town, their shopping district, which is adjacent to Mickey Avenue. I would still there. say they're very much so separated so, from their airport, Right, though. but it's sort of like having two parallel to each other and serving similar purposes where one has the main entrance and the midway leading to the front of the park, and the other one has the entrance right into the hub leading out of the park. And all the shops and stuff in between that are free to enter. Yeah, and then but, its own little entrance. But it's not like there's right entrances. No, this is taking land entrances this inside is definitely of taking village, it whatever. a step further. And I think the goal would be for them to make sure that the hub is full and that attendance looks like it's where it needs to be when the news helicopters are swarming overhead. And I think their hope is maybe you know, but if it, if it's anything like. What Disney can accomplish with, like, Disney Springs, where they attract all sorts of people who aren't going to Disney World, maybe they think they're going to attract people to Epic Universe into the hub who will then decide to buy a ticket or something to ride the rides once they're already there. I just hope it doesn't become overcomplicated. I hope it's not one of those things where it's like, okay, so you have your existing resort where it's all pretty cookie-cutter and straightforward. Yeah. And then we're going to go to Epic Universe. Yeah. And then suddenly... Your face decides which rides you can go on, or then you have to buy packages like, oh, I want to add Super Nintendo to my day. I, okay, Stuff yeah, like that gets too really, complicated. They started, like, piecemealing all of the areas. So I'm just going really to, like, really hope and almost kind of, like, rely on the fact that their current system works okay for them. And I think in the industry, we're not ready for even more complications. I mean, if we're complaining yeah. and the general public is complaining about the virtual queue at Walt Disney World for some of these attractions... And you couldn't even try introduce this in Europe. Like, it just wouldn't work. If it's not simple and straightforward and good to do, Europeans are going to be like, absolutely not. So I don't know if, like, making it even more complicated by doing something new at Epic Universe is worth it. Anyway. It may not be. I'm sure. We don't even know if it's happening or not. More than likely, it'll be a standard entry exit procedure I think at so the too. entrance. And then I think probably, like, realistically speaking, the extent of the uh, – Articulating using the four different areas with their own individual entrance and exit would be more related to special events, special events, and consequently the individual areas having their own operating hours. Yeah, which would also be weird, but again, a little easier to justify yeah. kind of how Disneyland Paris had special operating hours for some of their areas, depending on the drone shows and depending on you know. Um, Superhero, not Super Island. Yeah, the, um, the Marvel Avenger Campus yeah, Avengers would be Campus open two be. hours after the park was open. Yeah, some of that would I think work better. Perhaps that's what it's used for. Either way, um, the theme park itself, um, the concept of it is quite new because this is going to probably be the first ever theme park in the world where you have kind of like a big central part of the park, which um, is called Celestial Park. And then from there is these worlds, almost like Diagon Alley level worlds that are really immersive and inclusive with one way in, one way out. Um, And not like traditional theme parks where themed areas have several entrances and they kind of, you know, you can kind of walk through in a big circle, that kind of stuff. So um, the theme is celestial. Uh, They're going kind of on this 
weirdly space exploration kind of vibe they're going for. I don't hate it. They're really exactly leaning know. into the name of the studio. Yeah, I don't exactly know what they went <laughs> with, but uh, it sure is an Universal's epic universe. Um, and I think the whole the the whole center of the park and the hotels it's all supposed to be like a big planetarium. I think. I think so too, but a I must fantasy. give them credit because I do like. It's I don't want to say it's a complete original, but it's if you're going to pick an overarching theme. And if you're going to be doing the portholes into every world, every universe, yeah. then honestly kind of going with this like intergalactic galaxy kind of vibe where like, you know, a different planet for a different theme kind of, you know, yeah. you know, kind of dumbing it down. It's not a, it's not a terrible yeah. idea at all. If there's one way to take four intellectual properties that have absolutely nothing to do with each other and justify putting them in the same park, you can unify them by having like this hub world. That's actually video game lingo. Hub Honestly, works. this is almost like the evolution of the studio park. Because, you know, in the studio park, you can be like, well, it doesn't matter if nothing is related to each other. Because at the end of the day, we're just yeah. in a studio. Yeah. We're filming all this stuff yeah, here. Yeah, are all you know? sets. Uh, but you can do that if you already have Universal Studios Florida as the park. So, honestly, this is a really creative way of doing that yeah. in a very modern sense, which I'm excited for that. That's revolutionary. And I think the aesthetic is something that is not super common. It's, we, haven't, we, we don't see a lot of the cosmos um, done well in theme parks. So. Well, what's interesting is that it's outside. I feel like, yeah. historically, that kind of stuff is always indoor. Yeah. So, I, I think it's going to be a refreshing aesthetic choice, and hopefully the landscaping will be really strong to complement the architectural choices that they're making that are well what i wanted to actually add to that is um it kind of gives me a bit of reminds me a little bit of discovery land where because it isn't really trying to be that futuristic but it's just kind of like a uh, like a like a concept Mm -hmm. like a style i think it'll be kind of timeless honestly which i think is what's the right choice because the studio park was kind of outdated quickly because again it's trying to recreate something that's on earth or that what we expect to be the future um you know in, in case of for example Tomorrowlands, but in this case i really do think it'll be a timeless aesthetic yeah anyways moving off of that i'm um, talking about aesthetics they're already currently working on landscaping um the biggest thing we can talk about is that around three of the roller coasters there's already a bunch of trees being planted um there's a lot of uh, to, you know topography differences being added by like building sand hills doing a lot of terraforming a lot of terraforming um, and then, of course, exterior theming of the buildings starting, which is exciting because usually the exterior parts are coming way after the interior parts. So that means that on, I think for a lot of attractions, we are getting, you know, a lot of the interior work is already done and they are close to testing. For some rides, we already know that they're testing. Um, so it's pretty exciting because in two years, it's, it's a short window. Now, the park's opening in perhaps two and a half years. Those are a year and a half of soft open. Um, that's not a lot of time to work with if you have to test and adjust, staff, finish the park. So I think the park is further along than we may even realize. It's exciting. They're going to have to start getting their ducks in a row for, like, staffing this thing at the beginning of next year. Right? And if you think about it, the beginning I mean, of two years from now. <laughs> we already know that there is currently clearance envelope testing for both the Donkey Kong roller coaster and Hiccup's Wing Gliders roller coaster, um, which we'll dive <laughs> the, the in how, a little the bit. The How to Train Your Dragon coaster. Bit. Hiccup is the main... Is the black dragon, right? Uh, I thought it was Hiccup the guy's name. The, oh, no, that's Toothless is the dragon. Yeah, Toothless is, the, is, Toothless is like is a cat. Boy. Okay, got you. Yeah. So I've you never can. seen How to Train Your Dragon. I don't know anything it's about it. It's been a minute, but I did I did remember liking it. Yeah. And uh, that's funny because it's going to be the most elaborate. It's a sturdy it's franchise, large. too, because it's got three 
really successful movies, and they want to launch. That's going to be DreamWorks Entertainment's first live-action adaptation. God, I was somewhere on, was it either Facebook or Instagram or Threads or something, and I saw someone posting that they were, like, a super hardcore fan of How to Train a Dragon. Like, all, and clearly the audience is out there. I just haven't... I mean, I liked it when I watched it, but God, it's not like I kept up with it, you know? Yeah. Um, but let's look at the resort a little bit more. Um, we're talking about three hotels that are, well... Obviously, Universal Lender Resort is an encompassing resort, but given this is so far located away from the current existing resort, it's kind of like it's a mini bubble. And within that little bubble of um, Universal Epic Universe, there'll be three hotels. The biggest one being more big by appearance, not necessarily by, by size, but Helios Grand Hotel is going to be inside of the theme park. Ten floors, 500 rooms. And as of right now, there are still building floors, but they've already started exterior work, too. So it's kind of like half the building is literally already putting the walls and the touches on the outside, and half the building is still stacking floors on itself. Um, and then there are Stella Nova and Terra Luna, which I didn't like those names at first. You remember? We were Wait, oh, yeah, that? you were like, Terra Luna? That's I'm like, how can it be the Earth moon? and the Moon? And I was like, well, no, that's because the Earth's moon doesn't have a name. So it's... The Earth Moon, it's our moon. It's Stella Nova's cute, Stella Nova, <laughs> Star, whatever. But, um, so these are two identical hotels, um, presumably in a lower price category. They are on the backside of the resort as well, but across um, the yeah, like park, but the across of the, of the road. And they are 750 rooms each, so that's a nice little 1,500-room um, capacity, which would be good. And um, the coolest thing about them is their circular windows, almost like a spaceship. And then all of the exterior of the buildings are covered in these reflective decorative tiles that are just like a certain color. They were inspired by some building elsewhere in the world. I can't remember exactly which building it was, but as of right now, it looks really cool. I think we're going to drive by it. Yeah, later. I think we're going to go for a road trip. It's fun <laughs> being able to drive to like our favorite sushi place or go to the post office or something and drive by Epic Universe and see how it's coming along and admire the glass tiles what it reminds me of is like a giant blown up um semi-pixelated like like a 16-bit version of starry night with all of these celestial colors and right a combination of like daylight and nighttime um color palettes yeah it's kind of funny because in order for us to get to the grocery store we always go to we're like we're Trader Joe's kind of people yeah and so but we don't live in we live kind of like in a Trader Joe's void on this on the outside of Orlando yeah so the only way to really get to get our groceries which I love doing groceries is to go by Universal, Universal Epic Universe so yeah. you know no complaints um, especially Starfall Racers is so tall yeah it's practically a hypercoaster just kind of in the skyline it's really fun um, to see so it from cool. all of the different angles uh, and then um, you know, back to the park itself the central hub um, we'll feature shows um, we're just going to talk about a little bit more uh, of riots food and beverage all that kind of stuff and again there's going to be four themed lands around that um, with their own portal entry which is again the really unique theme park design they're going for the one thing that I really love about the Grand Helios Hotel design and it's something that another resort is currently employing which is using the hotel as your backdrop for an area so like Grand Helios sits at the very back of what would be the entrance midway and hub. It's like, it's kind of the area nice Cinderella point. Castle almost. Yeah. Like that is the focal the back point of the park that in the continues. Middle. Yeah. And, um, Disney Sea, Tokyo Disney Sea's Fantasy Springs area is also employing this, um, 
with their new hotel at the Not back of the Not just that. Area. You also have Chinlong Spaceship, which does it too, where the, oh, back, yes. of the back of the spaceship is the giant That's hotel. Right. And I think Chamlong is actually one of the first to introduce it because when you enter Chamlong Ocean Kingdom, the original theme park, um, their focal point of the whole park is actually in the in back the of the back. park. So you look yeah. all the way out to the back of the park with a giant wheel shark, 200-foot statue sticks up. And you know where we also yeah. saw it? We also saw it at um, Huey Brothers Movie World with that 200-foot-tall right. Buddhist um, statue yeah, is up there. Yeah, their Forbidden City replica. And honestly, it works well. I think, I think shifting it to the back of the park is like a guaranteed backdrop. It's vo- it's visible from every inch of the park. It like, works really well I in parks with lagoons, like central lagoons like Chaimong or like Islands of Adventure, where um, because of the success of Jurassic Park, they figured... You know, you've got your lighthouse in the front. That's, like, the park icon. But having the Discovery Center for Jurassic Park as, like, the central focal point, once you finish your walk down uh, Port of Entry and you're at the water's edge with the park around you, it's, it's like, I think it's just the right way to bring your eye all the way up and through um, a park layout. And I think Helios is going to be such an opulent and cool um you know, canvas for all of the stuff in the foreground. I think that in a way, um, what will be nice is because this is the only part of the park, you know, Celestial Park is the only part of the park that isn't like porthole, complete controlled, immersive environment where like yeah, all the with walls, the sight lines you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So having it almost still controlled in a way where you have all of your natural landscaping with the four portholes and in the future even more, mm-hmm. and then having that kind of lead up to this giant building, in a way, it's going to still be immersive and that's true because it's, it's that, you know by building that in the back there is no there's nothing left when you walk in that isn't covered once you get past helios you have the other hotels and then you have the property line and as long with helios there as your backdrop for the area they don't have to worry about somebody behind like on the other side of what destination parkway like building something that would be extremely visible and distracting from inside the hub area because the hotel is right there in the foreground. And not just that, all around the park, um, there's apartment complexes, uh, Lockheed Martin's facilities are there, yeah. lots of power lines. Like, it's by no means a cute pot of land. Yeah. But I think by the current approach, they're just taking away the biggest worry that Universal's had for so many years, especially where they're currently located in the Dr. Phillips kind of corner. They've had that problem, too. Remember when the Polar Coast was supposed to come and Universal was actively campaigning against it because it yeah. was visible from the park? Yeah. I think that... They are just eradicating all the problems they ever had with this new concept. So yeah. good for them, honestly. Even when you drive around, like, on the Sand Lake perimeter of Epic Universe, they've done a lot of the landscaping um, and berm development between the public roads and the property line. And it looks so great. It's kind of a bummer now, because now we can't see, you can't see Starfall Racers from Sand Lake right now. Unless you're on the bridge. Because of all the admin buildings yeah. and stuff. But, yeah. like, all the landscaping that they did even though it totally obstructs the view, it looks wonderful. So they've, uh, got the, they've got the, they're on the right track with that stuff. Sure. So let's dive into the park. We're going to do a grand tour. Of course, we're going to start at Celestial Park, which is the central hub of the theme park, kind of divided in almost like a snowman-shaped three rings with bridges yeah. and water features. Biggest thing really is that truly from the back going all the way forward to the entrance, it is a set of cascading waterfalls. Love a good water feature. Hate to bring up Discovery Land once more. But again, it's very Discovery Land. Having all the cascading water everywhere. Yeah. That's, if that's not the most Discovery yeah. Land thing. Um, 
And then let's dive right into Starfall Racers, which is the the biggest roller coaster on property, I guess. I mean, the, for the whole resort, it might be the biggest physical project on property. It because covers a lot of ground, um, it's massive. Um, and the cool thing is, so that's for those that aren't super familiar with what Starfall Racers is, it's going to be a, a dueling neck launch coaster. Um, both sides will be fairly similar in what they're going to do elements-wise, but the order of which is, is switched up a little bit. It's, it's, it's very much a racing coaster, um, which will be nice because now that we don't have Dueling Dragons anymore, that would be cool. Yeah. And um, it is actually part of the central hub. I'm still surprised that they didn't find a way to build a bed of Star Galactica area <laughs> somehow. and just Because it's a franchise they own. Maybe it's just because Battlestar Galactica is too... Serious and too dark. It is serious. It's scary. But they did it in Sci-Fi City. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but perhaps it wasn't the aesthetic they were going for, because that's a little... They've already got there. a couple of kind of scary areas. Like, obviously, Dark Universe is going to be scary. The Harry Potter area is pretty serious. Yeah, it's and true. And foreboding, and it's dis- I think they needed some more lightheartedness um, for the project. But yeah, two launches um, on the ride. And um, it's going to be, it's honestly like a massive, massive roller coaster, practically hyper coaster size. I think more of like, think about, for example, uh, the Flash or the hyper coaster in, in Turkey, the, the Mac product. Oh, yeah, the Lewav. Yeah, those the are just like part, big yeah. shape um, hyper coasters with inversions. This one's going to be large. Or like if you're familiar with Hurricane Coaster at um, Sucho Forest, Sucho Forest World. World, it's going to be that kind of scope. But two, um, I've. The track work for the, both of these coasters has been complete for a while now. They're two different shades of gold, right? Like one's yeah, sort of one. Kind one of is like a more bright like yellow, greenery kind of, and the other okay, like a coppery. I don't know. It's hard to. Explain. I'm colorblind, so I, all I can tell you is that one is a brighter color than the other. True, and the brighter one to me looks like it's more laterals focused. Some of the maneuvers that are necessary to to go from racing to dueling involves some laterals to put your train in the right position. And from the looks of it, it looks like the yellow track is kind of designated as the one putting in the work for laterals um, for dueling setup moments. So I'm, I'm already looking forward to the ways in which, from above, it appears like two similar experiences that will be enjoyed by a lot of the same people, but different enough that they justify their existence and like being different and I think people will have their favorites oh for sure I don't think they'll be so similar that they won't be it's not like two sides of like Stampeda or something yeah they're almost like indistinguishable it's not quite as different as yeah uh, Julian not as yes you know true true which is kind of what I was trying to compare it to um cool thing is I guess it's the ride chart being complete for a minute we're talking ride evacuation paths are done um, landscaping around the second half of the ride is mostly done. It looks great. Grass, trees, all of the above. Um, I'm just waiting for the first test runs, which I'm sure someone here in Orlando will have time to catch yeah. uh, video footage of. Because it's, it's such anything a massive like how ride. the coaster went down, everybody's going to know about it in overnight. the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, and the cool thing is, on Mac coasters, we generally speaking don't really see custom vehicle designs um like fiberglass work it's usually just like um almost just like stickers or wraps however for starfall racers the trains are apparently really cool and they have custom fiberglass pieces making the trains uh, very unique compared to other mac 
launch coasters, which will be fun because, again, they're usually just the same trains with different wraps. Yeah, they all um, have, which, like, that blue fire. Yeah, like the, exactly. Yeah. It's funny because the blue fire logo is not even that cute. Yeah. Um, next up in the area, we have Constellation Carousel. This looks like a cute, like, I guess we don't really know what kind of ride it is, but I already appreciate, like, the presence of it, the bigness of it. Yeah, I just pretty massive. Want it, I just love that they're going for big, opulent, broad strokes. I think, like, architecturally, the building that houses the attraction is really cool. I want them to take risks, you know, and I think they are. Like, doing the hub with such a broad theme, with the Constellation theme, it's the only part of this park where they can be complete they can completely make something up it's their own creation they don't have a guidebook like a video game or a movie franchise where they're required to do something in that exact vein and the closer they get to the source material the better i hate to say that it's the only part because i do think um that the universal's monsters that's true they do have a little more freedom yeah, a lot there. of freedom with that because those movies are like 100 years old and but so there's so much more freedom they have to do they a windmill do. they have to do like the building that they're using as the facade for the e-ticket is based on that large building in belgium you know like it's um it's true with this area of the park, they're making some fun choices because it's really the only thing that they get to just completely... Like, even in Dark Universe, they're beholden to source material. This stuff has to take place in Europe. It's got to be, you know, uh, 19th century or earlier architectural choices. This, like the, the Constellation Carousel, they get to just do it ex- whatever they want. Like, they just get to think completely outside of the box, and I'm... We're looking at a lot of, like, sacred geometry, uh, stained glass, a lot of, like, elements of nature being uh, elevated and distorted in an artistic way um, to fit the vision, whatever the, whoever the, whoever is the lead uh, visionary for this area. Um, and then with the coasters, you know, you can, you can only do so much. A carousel with a shell building well, maybe not show buildings, maybe not the right word here. I guess the, the dome, the bubble that will house the attraction, I think is going to be a beautiful uh, focal point, a, a highlight that will uh, encapsulate uh, the architectural style and choices that they're um, going for in this area. Well, the nice thing is about this area is everything is going to be you know, focused on those big rings, the big circles in that part of the park. Yeah. So um, having, you know, the carousel is perfect, whatever kind of attraction it may end up being. Wasn't there a rumor it was going to be a water attraction um, at one point? Um, like a like a, Mac, like a twist and like splash. Like a twist and splash. Um, because there was so much... Um, Pipe work. Pipe work around it. I think that's all going to end up being decorative. Okay. Which is great. Like water effects. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just think keeping keeping up with like having a circle theme, obviously having something carousel-y is, is a smart move. Um, and then right across from it, there's going to be a circular splash pad, which will mimic the fountains that are in the back of the park, which is like the big circular amphitheater circle that is elevated. Um, in which the fountain show will be at nightly or maybe even during the day. I'm curious to see how they may incorporate fireworks into that, given that it is really a circular theater. Like, all sides of the circle are occupied. So I wonder how they would do that or how large it is. Um, But either way, that is um, also in that area, which is pretty cool. Do you think they're going to do drones? 
Well, we'll get to drones in just a second because I think we're oh, already yeah. going to drones. But but like for the show, do you think for the, that show, the center show? Like, are they going to do the nighttime light light up kind of drones that we're already seeing, or is it? Going I, I don't to think be... so, and I'll tell you why. Um, they toyed with the idea for that for Disney has toyed with it, Universal toyed with it for their dark art show, which in Hollywood does have a drone component every night when they do it. I just think that the weather in Florida is so inconsistent. It's just like the wind can be blowing every which way. The rain will just like appear out of nowhere. So like you have to prepare all these drones and it's such a preparing process. Like it's not like a drone show just magically. It's like turn on a switch and the drones just start flying. Like it's so much work. Yeah. And then you have to have them all lift off and then you have to do their all synchronizing, which needs to be relatively still air in order for them to, you know, and I just think that the sheer amount of lightning storms on summer evenings here in Florida, the sheer amount of wind that will blow through out of nowhere. <laughs> I just think that a drone show, Florida's is not made for drone shows. Like doing yeah. it controlled during the day, which we're we'll getting to in a little bit, perhaps. So like a light drone show at night that requires hundreds of synchronized drones. I don't think so. Yeah. Like again, on a different skill, maybe. Uh, before we talk about that, which it is coming up on our show notes, I just want to round off. The, uh, the area real quick, what we know about the quick service Celestial and the stores Park. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they've been shuffling around, like, the, the restaurant capacity for the hub of the park has changed. Like, their expectations that, like, small quick service restaurants have turned into full service restaurants, potentially, or full service restaurants have been shifted into something else. Like, it's, it seems like they're still not 100% on, like, where they want I mean, I guess they're 100% now, but it, it it was definitely right up to the end that they were determining uh, the restaurant and dining capacity that they wanted or needed um, for the hub area based on how much things changed. Um, but it looks like they've, so they've settled on, so the Blue Dragon, is that Chinese food or is that? I don't actually know. I, mean, I would yeah. presume it may be Asian cuisine. Yeah. Uh, they've got the Blue Dragon, which can be a quick service towards the back of the park. Pizza Moon. Moon. Kind of a cute name. kind of cute. Um, Moon Pie. I think they wanted to call it Moon Pie, but that's a registered trademark. Oh, is it? Yeah. Moon Pie is a cute Moon Pie is a good name, Have you had Moon Pie? It's a marshmallow cookie sandwich. Oh, my gosh. You know what? I think I know what it is because uh, Mod Pizza has the Nod Moon Pie, so whatever they call it. Oh. The unnamed cake thing. Isn't that because of they called it Moon Pie or something? No, that is um, because they're a ripoff of Hostess Ding Dongs. Oh, got you. Uh, and then there's also going to be a Nintendo think, store we know right. for maybe sure. It is a Moon Pie ripoff. And the Nintendo store will obviously be located right yeah. by the Super Nintendo World Portal. I think that there's not enough room in the land to build a big store, so they build it outside the land, um, which is also very city walkish. Yeah. So I guess we'll see. Do you think, uh, well, well, are they going to do like, I guess the other areas wouldn't necessarily need to have a Super Nintendo World or the other areas wouldn't need like similarly large hub based because I think the difference between Super Nintendo World say Super Nintendo World can be very interactive in ways that I just don't think there's a lot of room for store space especially now with the giant restaurant I don't think they're going to have and so there's going to be obvious gift stores that we already know about retail wise in the other lands you know and obviously Potter needs a lot but there's also Two yeah, Potter, Potter is, worlds fresh, is flushing out a, a whole city. Also, Potter is block. Big. We'll talk about so, it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get back to drones real quick. So there is rumored to be drones at Epic Universe, and those are supposed to be on a smaller scale, um, perhaps flying dragons that will be going over the Isle of Burke 
land, which is the How to Train Your Dragon theme land. So that is uh, the first area that requires a porthole to enter that we'll talk about. It's actually a massive yeah. land. Yes. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon, Isle of Burke. They've got a lot of great thematic elements already in place. There's a lot of paint ready. Like, it's really, this area is the first area to really resemble a theme park. Like, you really, aside from coasters and stuff, thematic touches are going into place, and they're they're getting ready. Um, there's a lot of stuff there that's, even to the untrained eye, is, like, ready to be looked at and enjoyed. Um, so they've got, yes, yeah, so they want to have drones with dragons and things, didn't they do this sort of with, like, um, Death Eaters or something, or Dementors in one of the Harry Potter areas? God, I test, feel like it was tested tests. and maybe been for Japan. Uh, I think, it was, kind of I think it was first. Osaka for, like, their Horror Nights. They were, like, doing Dementors Yeah, I Dementors think, I think they did that starting last year or something. But the next obvious evolution of that would be to, like, have dragons and things flying around. Maybe bigger, more kite-like ones that are more ambient and less about like yeah they don't require like a whole synchronization of yeah. 100 200 300 400 drones you know two Gershlauer sky flyers yeah so the sky flyers are actually an interesting choice in my opinion because first of all they're quite thrilling in my opinion for a land theme to how to train dragon which in my opinion is more of like the family land in the park anyway yeah however um, I guess if you really don't want to flip you don't have to flip so like you know it's, it's versatile in a way that you could either choose to go upside down a million times or you choose to not go upside so down so how to train your dragon I think is one of those franchises that really grows with you like because the main character ages in real time between the movies so like he's an adult in the third movie true um, so that's one of those things where I think it's actually there's probably a surprising amount of like people in their 20s and 30s who are really into this intellectual property. Just as many as there's like little, little kids that are into it. Right. But I do think it's cool about um, the Dragon Racer Rally, which is the official name. So it is two sky flyers that go in opposite directions, kind of mim- mimicking, swirling around each other. And then there's dragons on the far ends, like on the weight ends. And one is blue. And one is red, right? Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of dueling dragons, which is... More dueling well, dragons references. Dueling dragons. But no. Um, but it may just be a shout-out to dueling dragons, because everywhere think, in the resort you find... Well, now they can't call it dueling dragons, because they have a haunt thing called dueling dragons, so... True. Because, you know, you have your you have your dueling club in the Haggard's queue. Yeah. You have the two dinosaurs at the entrance to Philosopher, so that... Yeah. Have their they're in know, the same the, position the facing, the, yeah. you know. And now you're gonna have this. I think I kind of like that the legacy and so Star Fall that all these parks <laughs> have kind of like a dueling dragon nod. Um, that is cool. Also, you know, the Dragon Land finally came to fruition in Orlando. Yeah. Um, another what looks like a pretty much a, a mid family, but also kind of thrilling ride is their uh, their launch coaster. So they're getting yet another intimate launcher which is called Hiccup's Wing Gliders. And um, it is, instead of a moving platform like Hagrid, um, even though I would kind of want to draw a parallel to Hagrid there, is uh, it's actually going to be just dual station, which is fine. Um, no complaints about that. I just find it interesting because I kind of thought that they were like so on the moving walkway hype. Um, but uh, that's that's cool. Anyway, it's going to be uh, two launches. It's going to be all around the area, which is cool. Um, lots of rock work and show scenes already being built. And there will be show scenes on the ride, which is kind of nice. Yeah, it's kind of like a hacker without all the fancy track switches, though. Yeah. I know, did they say that this is expected to be more family-friendly than Haggard or less? 
Honestly, I from what I can see, it looks like about the same, honestly. I was thinking that, too. I feel like this is a bit more traditional in its approach. It is more traditional, but Hagrid does so much, like, stop, go, stop, go, stop, yeah. go. There's so much more, like, pacing control on it. As for this, it has long stretches of it just kind of, like, blowing around the area. I think that's why it has a double station instead of a continuous loading, because it takes a very particular kind of roller coaster that has a lot of block... Sure, less blocking to allow yeah. for continuous loading the way that Hagrid does. Otherwise, you 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 just stop. You have these. You have to give yourself so much space between trains. Um, I like this ride a lot. I love the layout. I love like the approach to it. I love that it has an uphill launch. That is like a universal legacy, and also yet another Discovery Land callback to the original uphill launch coaster. Space I mean, Mountain. Universal Orlando Resort as a whole is becoming Launch Coast Capital. Yeah. I mean, you've got Mummy, you've got Gringotts, you've got um, Hulk, Hulk. you've got Flux Coaster, Coaster two launches, you've got Hagrid. Seven Launches on Hagrid, you've got Starfall Racers, you've got the Wolfman Coast we'll talk about in a little yeah. bit, you've got Hiccup's Wing Gliders, I mean, it's like launch, launch, The launch, only launch, coaster launch. coming to Epic Universe with a lift hill is the Diddy Kong. Oh, coaster. Donkey Kong has a, lo- has a launch too. Does it have a lift? It has a lift and a launch. And a launch. So, I mean, like, launch is everywhere. All five coasters are launched. Isn't that crazy? And one of them has a lift hill, and the other one has a launch that mimics a lift hill the same way that Hulk and Mummy have uphill launches that start out somewhat unassuming. But, yeah, I think think this ride's really cool because it's going to be long. Again, just like Hagrid. I I think they saw such a success with Hagrid, they were like, we've got to do it again. Yeah. You know, it was a great way to draw people in. Um... I'm really excited for it. has tunnels. Yeah. It goes around the water. It's, it's going to be, I think, a bit more of a terrain coaster than Hagrid. Hagrid kind of keeps to itself, and it and it's not... There's one part right in the middle. Right before you meet Fluffy, the ride feels a little bit like a terrain coaster where you're sort of bounding around in the Forbidden Forest. Yeah. Kind of like between the um, first blast on this crude and... The spike is where yeah. it kind of feels a little bit more terrain. It's kind of so. It's going to be nice that it's going to be a bit more of a traditional topography focused coaster um, versus Hagrid, which I mean is objectively still very much a coaster on a flat piece of land that's just extremely well um, disguised and has great landscaping and a lot of tricks. But this is, I think, this is going to really feel more like a terrain ride than any other coaster in the park. Or in the resort, for that matter. Interesting. Okay. I can see that. Especially with all the terraforming that they're doing in the Dragonland to make it appear more like, you know, like Northern Europe. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's true. So. Um, and then, of course, the, the land is the usual. It's got a canning gift store, which is going to be themed to, like, the, the dragon housing on the side of the cliff. So we're expecting, like, dragon tails to hang out so of it. This so cute. It'll be cute. The dragons are going to be sitting up in their little houses. I'm picturing, like, a cat tree. Yeah, but like condo, dragon full country. of cats, but they're dragons, and their little tails are wagging. Which is kind of what that movie is kind of. You know, I feel like it's definitely like the dragons are are vibing like cats. They're cat like. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, okay. Everything about it, especially Toothless, it's like it's like a cat. I love it's cats. Like a black cat. Maybe I should watch. It's like a little these baby. Bill. Yeah, it's like um, our black. Yeah, our white cat Bill. Yeah, Bill. Anytime <laughs> we refer to baby Bill, that's him. Pew! Um, and then we have um, the meat hall dining experience, which is kind of also from the movies, like the giant circular dining hall with the big pillars. That's coming, and on top of there will be like a, a decorative mound, force perspective. 
there's going to be the stage show, which, if I'm not mistaken, is the same stage show as Beijing, which Beijing has a How to Train Your Dragon stage show with, like, a giant flying dragon that comes from the ceiling, um, and it's called The Untrainable Dragon. I'm, like, nine Wait, is it sure. Beijing, or is that in the yeah, Persian Gulf? I thought it was at... No, I'll talk about the stage show at, 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 at Universal Beijing Resort to open. So they have a Train Your Dragon show also? Yeah, in Hollywood Land. And it's different from the one that's at... Uh, motion game? Yeah, because I don't even really know what the shows they have over there. I guess not about the rides they have over there. Because I know they have a stage show, too. Interesting. Yeah, it should be more like the Universal Beijing. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And right next to it should be Meet and Greet, which... Um, what is it? The Havoc Paddock? That's what... Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. The Havoc Paddock? Yeah. Um, and then there's also going to be a splash battle, like a like a river version, almost like... Um, Port Aventura's Encore yeah. um, ride, which will be cool. I mean, this this land is going to be pumped full. It's going to be a lagoon in the land. There's so much going on. The splash battle is important for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, this is the park's only water ride that we're aware of. Right. I think it, it's pretty much, cl- unless, the, like, the Wolfman coaster has a surprise water element or something. Like, who knows? But probably not. Um, this is the water ride for the entire park. And splash battles are conceptually really great, but they don't always do well in, like, regional parks or even in major parks if there's not enough traffic in the area. Um, like, Port Aventura's is really awesome. It's, like, a double size one, and there's, like, effects and stuff that you shoot, but, like, the rides really work a lot better when there's a lot of people around and you're, like, shooting people in the midway and vice versa. So I think this could be, like, the perfect splash battle application because you need a busy park with lots of people kids who are trying to get wet and 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 then this one will be especially polished i'm sure there will be theme elements like crazy like i think it's going to be you know i mean i guess my first thought when i heard about this was that like splash bottles are something that have been around for a while like is this i don't usually really associate them with like success but or, or big crowds yeah but you know i mean a universal and a resort with their Popeye's Jurassic yeah. World of Adventure. Well, it's, yeah, that's what and I mean. Everyone always gets, you know, they're so into it that I'm sure it'll be successful. Like, it wouldn't be the first time that Universal Orlando took a concept that had already been around for, like, 15 years and did their version, and it was just so much better. Also, it'll be nice to have an interactive edge to that particular water yeah. ride. Um, and the last one, at least in the area, is going to be also a quick service restaurant. Also, under a windmill, it's going to be Thema Sparkers windmills. Might as well make it... A Dutch team. Oh, yeah, we got multiple um, <laughs> windmills. <laughs> um, there is here too is a restaurant under windmill. Um, so yeah, that's kind of rounds out the funny. area. I didn't even realize that. There's a lot going on, and it's pretty big. Oh, and the splash battle is called Fire Drill. Oh, that's right. I mean, so it's gonna have like a firefighter now. theme. I think that you're gonna be Probably training right, yeah. your, how to train your firefighter. It's gonna be about learning how to put out fires that your dragon may or may not be setting. So there's, I'm expecting like mock dragon fires and like dummies of dragons setting things ablaze that you will be responsible for putting out or something. I can only hope. I'm looking forward to it in any case. Um, now let's go now clear across the park. We're going to the left. Yes. Super Nintendo world. Let's talk about. So the nice thing is about Super Nintendo world for this episode purpose is that obviously this is pretty much a clone of what we've seen already yeah. in... This is going to be their easiest area. Well, so Donkey it's Kong easy to talk about. So we're just going to kind of run through what we know. 
um, how the unique application is for Epic Universe because of its porthole situation, which, again, there's also a porthole in, in the other two locations. Um, but for this particular um, Super Nintendo world, just like Osaka, it's going to have two lands within one. You have your Mushroom Kingdom, you've got your Donkey Kong Country. In order to enter any of it, you have to go through Mushroom Kingdom um, by ways of, again, a, a porthole. This porthole is going to be the classic tube thingy. What is yeah. that thing called? It's a pipe. A pipe. A warp pipe. A warp pipe. So you're going to warp pipe into the land. In order to do that, the levels of the land, you enter the land on the second level, but in order to get there, you take an escalator. So once you go inside the porthole, which is in the side of a hill, you take an escalator inside inside the pipe. And then when you exit, you, you exit, exit on the ground end. level. Exactly. And, well, yeah, and then you... There's like two levels down from yeah. there again, so it's interesting how how they layered it out. I think it's more of like a visual approach. Um, I think it's really smart. I love the dynamic nature of doing like multi-story uh, area building, lands. and it was very fantastical. Very. I was just gonna say this reminds me of Blues Town. Yeah, and the way that they've got rides literally stacked on each other. Oh yeah, but or even like Mexico yeah. or um, Africa. I mean, yeah. honestly, I've got all the port. I mean. Like, I say Fantasyland uh, is, like, is like obviously the king of that. Fantasyland is a theme park lasagna where like there's just layers of things on top of each other. And then in the land, of course, you've got your Mario Kart ride, which is Bowser. Is it Koopa it's, Cup? Uh, Mario. It, it's well, I'm a blank on the name. Mario Kart. Well, the, I think you're blanking on it because it's called something different in Japan. Oh, because Bowser is, I think, like the American name for him. He's King Koopa, I think, in Japanese. But there's not like a proper translation. I don't know. There's no proper translation for Bowser. It's anyway, Mario Kart ride. Um, it's, is it the Koopa <laughs> Koopa Cup challenge or Mario? Yeah, Kart that's what Co- it is. King Koopa Koopa's challenge. King Koopa's challenge. I don't know. We're butchering this. Or like is that. it Bowser's challenge? Oh my god, this is awful. I'm gonna look it up real quick because I'm we're gonna look sure it up. In the meantime, I'm gonna talk a little bit about reason, what it is. The problem is that it has different <laughs> names in both of the installations. So of course you're gonna have your restaurant, um, which will be themed. Like, it'll be Toast. Cafe, which is going to be just like the one in Hollywood and the one in um, Osaka, where it's you know, okay, a total so restaurant. In the United States, it's Mario Kart Bowser's, Bowser's Challenge. Challenge, and the other one is Koopa Cup, and the other one, Koopa's Challenge. Koopa's Challenge. So that's so the thing. God. Okay. Well, you so, know that makes sense. Yeah. So Koopa one is Koopa's Bowser. Challenge, the other is Bowser's Challenge. So we're gonna have Bowser's Challenge here. Yeah. Then. yeah. Um. Again, it's a kind of like an um, artificial intelligence. Kind of uh, augmented reality ride where you wear goggles to have projections and your interactive game elements um, projected on actual dark ride scenes. Really cool. Um, the feedback has been a little bit uh, for this ride are really nice. Yeah, well, the scenes are really nice, but I feel like the feedback for the ride at the other locations have been mixed because some people are expecting speed for a Mario Kart ride, which I understand. But since the augmented reality is supposed to do all that for you anyway. Yeah, it's more I'm of a motion for simulator. This is different. It's a motion, it's a tracked motion simulator. With hella dark ride scenes. Part of the motion simulation component is the AR goggles. So I think the only reason the reviews for the ride have been mixed is because people invented their own expectations for the ride. But Universal never said that it was a thrill ride. In fact, it makes perfect sense. Like, the ride that it is is exactly, I think, the ride that it needs to be. Because it needs to be a shooter. It's a video game. It's Mario Kart. Like, it needs to be an interactive dark ride type thing. And it, it it's hard to do a shooting dark ride and a roller coaster. Um, because, as we've seen with, like, 
Wonder Mountain Guardian or even Primordial. Like, it's done with mixed success. And sometimes it's just better for it to be one thing or the other. Plus, it doesn't need to be a roller coaster. We're doing Donkey Kong Country gets to be the roller coaster component of the area anyway. And there's not a track ride in the, anyway. Joshi. Not really either, but yeah, there's Joshi. <laughs> you know that's not spelled right. I, I spelled right? it correctly <laughs> on the show notes, and that's completely fine. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you get the Yoshi ride, which is an outdoor track kind of it's like dark ride, um, and you get to sit on Yoshi's back. The cool thing is they've already they're already installing a bunch of the uh, the Yoshi theming for it. the The track itself has been installed, but it's covered up for construction purposes. Nothing can drop on it and, and, and damage it. Uh, it'll be kind of cool. It's just something else to do, I guess. Yeah. It won't be uh, like super spectacular, but just something else to nice do. A nice compliment to Mario Kart. I feel like it's almost more fun off ride seeing all the Yoshis go by. Yeah, it's, know, all, it's like themed entertainment that you can ride. It's Too giving much. high in the sky Zeus trolley tram ride, um, or even like its original iteration, the uh, Sylvester McMonkey McBean's very unusual driving machines, where it just operated as. A, uh, scenery pieces for several years because they couldn't get approval from the state to open the ride. So now we have like a ride that is a doing double duty as like an atmospheric embellishment, but it's also a ride. It's not a long ride at all, but you move through it really slowly. So the ride duration is not terrible. Capacity is probably decent, but not crazy good or anything. And it, it has an interactive component too. There's like buttons in the vehicle or something yeah i think that the biggest thing is just to have something you know it's almost like uh like having the navi river to your flight of passage Absolutely. having something else to do you perfect know? analogy and so um and the scenes again the scenes for this look really cute oh yeah uh, you know it's it very picture like match really it's cute, very right? like oh i'm like riding riding the games which yeah. i think is obviously yeah. the whole point of the nintendo world anyway um, and then what I'm probably most excited for is actually Donkey Kong Country, which I don't even have that much of an association with Donkey Kong personally. Dude, as a child, playing Donkey Kong Country and doing the minecart I actually never played levels. that. I played like every freaking Mario thing under the sun, but I never played the bar- that. The, the minecart levels in Donkey Kong were iconic. And as a roller coaster kid from Inception, I was like so into those levels because they were roller coaster like so this is a very this is a wonderful full circle moment for any roller coaster enthusiast that's also been a fan of the donkey kong games so do you want to explain exactly how donkey kong works and what kind of is the gimmick about it for those that are listening and aren't exactly familiar with the concept yet so the donkey kong roller coaster is it's called a boom coaster and the boom is like in the sense not like an explosion boom but like a an arm of sorts you have the roller coasters attached to a, a heavy-duty boom pole um, that is attached to the track via a single-rail-esque vertical wheel assembly. Think like a steeplechase coaster, where it's got like the giant sideways wheel bogies, but then you're sitting on a vehicle that is suspended over the track via this boom arm. And then they have a decorative track underneath the vehicle that is full of, like, damage, brakes, little hops and things. In the video game, you have to jump in your vehicle to clear gaps in the track or to navigate over or around bad guys. And so by having decorative track underneath the boom coaster vehicle, it mimics these uh, track jumping maneuvers from the video game and should um, provide a really interesting, like unique ride experience something dynamic and and visually satisfying i think i think it's gonna be 
I mean, assuming that it's not a total disaster because it's a prototype, and assuming that the capacity doesn't become just a huge, huge nightmare, that's the one thing. It's four passengers per vehicle. It's basically got wild mouse capacity. Yeah, so I think the concept is super cool, and like especially how they're gonna. Be, it's gonna be like half indoor, half outdoor. It's gonna be like in the mines, it's got the dark outdoor ride scenes. scenes. Like it's, it's, it's gonna have a lift hill and a yeah. launch. There's just a lot that's really, really cool. But I think the the reason that I'm kind of keeping my excitement to myself is first of all, capacity's not great. Let's not lie about it. It seems like it's a techn- technologically pretty advanced roller coaster, but I also think we're gonna see a lot of downtime. The company that's manufacturing the launch system is also the company that was uh, responsible for Lightning Rod's launch system. I don't want to get my hopes up on it running smoothly. I want to get my hopes up on it being an easy access ride. At the end of the day, it's not going to be that long of a ride, all things considered, because of kind of the way that it's built. It's a lot more focused on shorter, more impactful thematic moments than I think it is on like an overall ride length or roller coaster length. So um, I think it's going to be a cool experience. But how long do I have to wait for it? Is it going to be broken down half the day? Is it going to be pain in the butt to get virtual queue for it? All those questions are kind of circling in my head. And so despite me being very excited for it, and they're already doing testing, they're already, I've got um, a, a lot of uh, thematic elements up, the exterior paint is already done. Um, there's, it, it's moving ahead quickly. I just don't know if... I want to give my hopes up on getting on it when it opens. Does that make sense? I feel like what I'm expecting from this ride is like how I feel about Seven Dwarfs Mine Train at Magic Kingdom, where I think it's it's one of my favorite rides on the resort. It's one of the best rides on property, but and it's and it's unique and clever and super well done. But the line for it will almost always be longer than I care to wait for it. Because even though I really love it, I don't ever feel like waiting an hour and a half for. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm expecting, for me, Seven Dwarves Mind Train rules applying, where, like, I will ride it a couple of times, and I will love it, and I will ride it with family when they're visiting, but it's not going to be a ride that, like, as a pass holder, I'm going to be doing much, because I don't expect myself to be wanting to wait in the line that this ride will inevitably have, or right. whatever whatever system that they're using, if they're doing a virtual queue, like, whatever it is, like, it's, it's going, it's not going to be pretty. Like, it, the only saving grace is that this ride is opening alongside an entire theme park with many super high-capacity attractions and several rides that are going to be workhorse rides that... And perhaps have, even better yeah, rides. The real and CD. possibly better attractions, too. The one that's really going to be funny is when it opens in Japan as a brand new ride all by itself. But they've been doing virtual queue and sound entry yeah. for decades, well, decades, for a long time now, since Bob yeah. opened. I, I think that'll but it's like, what else going to be. Having to do timed entry for Wizarding World and, and having like fast pass and stuff, having to resort to their measures for rides that are already pretty high capacity, like uh, like Forbidden Journey. The fact that now they will be opening this ride as a new attraction with the capacity being so incredibly low, it's just going to be... Well, I'm hoping it's not low as we're talking about it right now, but I guess again, realistically seeing it fire out trains at the speed that I think... I guess the way that it works is like they will be able to send a lot of cars really close together because the blocks will be... Super short. Short sections, hopefully. like And the dark rides, you can always put rides right behind each other. So So who knows? Maybe it won't be as bad. But that's that's the whole point. It's like going with expectations that it's, you know, it can always yeah. be better this way. And I do want to, before we wrap up this area, I do want to say that Super Nintendo World, I think, is actually the inspiration behind the whole concept of the park. Because that is 
perhaps that in Diagon Alley. I must give credit to Diagon Alley as well because of the whole portal thing. Obviously, the pipe for um, Super Nintendo World is a no-brainer. And having, you know, the the, the moving bricks for yeah. uh, Diagon Alley is obviously a no-brainer. But having that big reveal moment, the big, like, aha moment. That's definitely Like, Diagon when you go into Rokeberg. Right? Yeah. And Fantasioland. Perhaps you need to credit Diagon for that. Yeah. Yeah. So now let's move on to our next area, which is the Dark Universe. Um, themed after the Universal Classic Monsters, or Classic Universal Monsters, whichever way you want to say that. This um, entrance or the entry portal to this land is going to be uh, like dark rock work with these tree trunks kind of like on it too. Kind of eerie. And Mangled trees and mechanical components. And, and the cool thing is that despite it also being kind of a franchise, um, there is still, I think, a little more liberty here in what they're going to be including in it. Because there's so many franchises that are kind of rolling into one land. Because I guess technically we're going into the village of Darkmoor. Yeah, and which is totally them. fictional. Yeah. Fictional, okay, cool. Yeah. And like none of these none of these characters exist in the same universe. So like even this is the only area where like even inside of its own area we are bridging several universes together, like timelines and stuff. Like Dracula and Frankenstein are different stories from different authors, and even their Universal movie adaptations don't take place. Uh, in each other's context. They're completely independent um, storylines. It's not like these guys are happening concurrently or even, you know, within the same hundred years or something. So they're they're taking liberties to do something that incorporates all of these characters in the same timeline for whatever justifiable reason they have. And I'm curious to see what it is. I'm excited, too. It's going to allow them to, to have some freedom there on what they want to combine and how they're going to combine it. Um, first things first, you mentioned the windmill with the quick service um, and the uh, How to Train Your Dragon, Isle of Burke. There's another one here that is uh, called the Burning Blade Tavern. So I guess it has to do with the fact that the um, windmill was once on fire. Yeah, the blades um, the From whatever franchise that is from, if you yeah. know, leave a comment. It's the Frankenstein. <laughs> it's the climax of Frankenstein, babe. Never mind. Okay, there's an answer. <laughs> no need to leave a comment anymore. <laughs> Um, and then uh, the first ride there, which is not the biggest ride, but um, it's going to be a max spinning coaster, I believe even extreme spinner. Um, but it's not going to be very extreme, though. But yeah, it's like a, <laughs> it's definitely a family. Sp- it's a tiny ride, family spinner layout coaster. Into the Wolfman. Maybe it'll have the extreme spinner vehicles, but I even I'd be surprised if it didn't just have like. The smaller vehicles? The basic spinner coaster vehicles. So like I guess Sierra the cool thing about this ride is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it has a dual station as well, right? Yeah. Um, and then it's going to have like a launch, you know, two or three elements, nothing much. And it has a kind of like a mid-ride section, which is like in the in the barn. Yeah. Where it'll shuttle, it's like have a show scene. enclosed. And then shuttle. Mid-ride swing launch. And then go through and do two or and three elements and again. then finish. It's not, it's, again, it's not a very long ride, but it's going to be themed to being in the forest. The queue is going to go all around it. And I think they're, it's it's a nice supporting act to what will yeah. be perhaps the best dark ride in the land. Yeah. Or in, in, in the park. Um, in the land as in Florida. As in, in the land. In the lands. Because I am super excited for their dark ride, which is called Monsters Unchained, the Frankenstein Experience. It's like Harry Potter and Avengers. No, actually, it's like Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure, but for this park. So yeah, Monsters <laughs> Unchained, the Frankenstein Experience. That's a lot. Which is a um, dark ride similar to Forbidden Journey using the Kuka Arms. 
Um, but this time there won't be any domes. There'll be no screens. It's going to all be um, physical, physical sets only, time. which I'm yeah. so excited for. So the ride vehicles are going to be a lot more open air, so you can look all around you versus so just exciting. in a direction. It sounds of, expensive. It sounds expensive. I'm <laughs> so excited. It's going to be like a European village. Frankenstein and all of his unchained monsters are in there, whatever that means. All exciting. Um, I'm really excited for that. And I think that the Cuckoo Arm application is so perfect for a dark ride because we've mentioned in countless episodes now, it's like you're always front row. You're mm-hmm. in the action. It is 360 surrounding by the action. You're dangling above in the scenes. It doesn't get much better than that. I'm honestly amazed that Disney has never done anything like it. Maybe it's because they don't have the... I don't know if they have even... Maybe exclusivity on it. I don't know. Um, and the one thing I think is kind of funny is that the Cuckoo Arm application... You know, like Hogwarts, Forbidden Journey, it's kind of like a darkish, castle gothic vibe. And then, boom, we're doing it again. <laughs> if it's a cuckoo ride, it's going to have to have, like... Yeah, it has to be very... You know, it's going to have to be kind of gothic and dark. I kind of like that it's... It, the only other cuckoo arm ride is that one at the Warner Brothers theme park in Abu Dhabi. And it's, like, yeah, it's all of the villains converging together... And just like utter sheer chaos happening, and it's a, all the all the monsters are converging together, ushering in chaos. So one thing I'm kind of envisioning is um, if, if you've ever done the Universal Studios Hollywood Studio Tour, you go through what they call the little Europe section of the back lot, and that's where they filmed a lot of the monsters movies like Dracula and Frankenstein and whatnot, like all the pitchforks and the fire, or whatever, in the European village. That's what I'm envisioning now, like a like a European village, like the, that part of Backlot where they filmed the good place, except for the paint all the buildings and look right. a little cuter. <laughs> Imagine that kind of you know cobblestone streets and just kind of going through that and having all this stuff happen. Perhaps being in some sort of castle. I mean, is Frankenstein in the castle at any point? Maybe they'll see the burning windmill. In I want everything. I have not watched the movie. I've only read the book. Imagine a Dracula scene. Dracula has a castle. Imagine a scene like the Whomping Willow, but really it's the freaking windmill of fire, and then you get swung away. I don't Girlies, think the, I'm having I don't a good think time the with windmill of fire is going to be in the ride, is it? Because it's also outside of the ride. In, yeah, but in you're, the area. yeah, but like you can be in Hogwarts. I guess it could be both outside and also inside. And inside too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. More anyway, of, yeah, I'm like real excited. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. And that's not a great thing. We won't really know what's going to happen because, unlike all the other franchises, this is going to be like whatever they want to do. This with area them. of the park is going to be my favorite because I, uh, uh, Nintendo's going to be really cute, but it's also, you know, it's <clears throat> it's definitely an aesthetic that is a lot. And I love Mario games. Like I am a Nintendo purist. I don't really even play video games that aren't Nintendo. Uh, chiefly Mario, but I'm looking forward to the photorealism of the dark universe and like sophisticated elements that will call back um, things like Lost Continent um, at Islands of Adventure instead of because Universal has shown us time and time again that they can do the larger than life fantasy over the top colorful thing they're doing nintendo they're doing dreamworks they're doing minions like we're getting a lot of the well can they do it yeah listen to I mean, episode, they can, they're able to do it and nintendo is like the best version of it and so that's great but anyway dark universe topic, i'm the most excited about listen to armchair imagineering <laughs> university Studios, florida that episode also season five and we got, got a couple things to say about it, whether or not they're good at it but Epic Universe looks promising, and definitely Dark Universe. We need to give them credit for deciding that instead of doing an outdoor amphitheater, they built a fifth roller coaster. Oh, for, for sure. Because Wolfman was supposed to be a theater, but I think they took a look at like 
all the dormant theaters at the rest of the resort. Islands of Adventure doesn't have a lot of dead space, but two, actually three dead space. The three areas of that park that need adjustment are honestly the three theater venues. Poseidon, and like, they Sinbad. They need an extra theater because you already have the Fountain Theater. You already have the um, Dragon's Dragon Dragon Theater. theater. Yeah. And Otter. then there's going to be another theater in the next area we're discussing. Oh, yes. Perfect. Which segue. is the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. The Ministry of Magic finally is coming. I think overall of an area, this is going to be like the grandest anticipation. This is the one. Because we've been wanting the Ministry of Magic since the inception of an idea of, yeah. the, of the universe of Harry Potter yeah. in a theme park. And it that was, was part of the original conversation getting it. with Gringotts and Hogwarts, and now get, it's finally coming. Exactly. It's finally a here. major themed land that's mostly indoor in Florida is a very welcomed concept. Nothing better than the Ministry of Magic. Um, and it's going to be a state show. We just don't know what it is, but it's going to be inside the British Ministry of Magic. Take a step back. Um, the entrance to the land, which will be the uh, Port St. Denis arch that is in, from Paris and um, it's really like two areas it really is like two areas in fact I kind of listed it as like three areas because you get you get Paris outside yeah so it's going to be like from the Fantastic Beast movies you have the you know, Wizarding Paris and the Ministry of Magic in Paris that's all outside that's the majority of the lands outside which is honestly quite large it's like of several streets uh, lots of vantage yeah, points it's like dining shopping you know the wand experiences it's like as big as Alley and Hogsmeade combined. Exactly. And then there's an additional land within the land, not just like Nocturne Alley, and like it's massive. Uh, they're, they're going to find some magically creative way to transport you from Wizarding World Paris in the time frame of the Roaring Twenties um, Fantastic Beast franchise and then transport, transport you into the modern-day Wizarding World of Harry Potter um, British Ministry of Magic across the pond. Taking the channel or the flu network, <laughs> the flu channel, <laughs> the flu channel, <laughs> the flu. A little background here: the main reason that it happened that way is because originally this was supposed to be a Fantastic Beast land, but a Fantastic Beast ride. If you've seen the Fantastic Beast movies, a lot of it takes place in the French and British Ministry of Magic. Um, given that the Fantastic Beast franchise was less than ideally successful, and Hagrid showed that everyone still very much cares about Harry Potter and his friends, they shifted <laughs> that back to Harry Potter. And I support that. Yeah, I do too. That's my kind of magic. You gotta do what works. You gotta do what works. Although there's something to be said for, like, the, the areas of the, this section, the components of this section that are still intact from the Fantastic Beasts uh, storyline, I think will serve their purpose of, like, maybe helping tell the story, get people interested, and reintroduce, you know, but I, it's it's kind of like the Tron effect, like... Neither of the Tron movies are particularly successful or particularly good, but they're amazing, objectively, <laughs> if you're a fan. And by building a Tron roller coaster, suddenly people are interested in a franchise that like was neither that much of a critical darling, nor was it like a commercial success. Okay, I love Tron, though. But we love Tron. Tron is our guilty pleasure. We love Tron. Um, but there's a reason why, like, the first time that they developed Tron for Magic Kingdom, they canceled it. Um, and then, uh, again, Harry Potter carries, obviously, the, the name and the title. And I think it maybe wasn't even that difficult to shift what they had already planned and change it into a Harry Potter ride. Just out of concept for Disneyland Paris's potential Star Wars original, like, the Galaxy's Edge was actually to a shift and make Rise of Resistance theme to Darth Vader. Like, yeah. I'm sure there's ways to shift stuff around and still make it work yeah. quite well. 
But and I think it's just can, happening here. I think that they can get Daniel Radcliffe back on board. Like, he's... That's possible, guys. I, I think he's sure working Warner Brothers for that Harry Potter streaming yeah, show. So if I'm not mistaken, Daniel Radcliffe is back on board with reprising his role as Harry Potter. Yeah, and he's done a bunch of other stuff. So, but, but there was a time there where they couldn't get him. Like, during the development of Diagon Alley, he was he was distancing himself from it all, but he kind of it kind of came full circle. He had to prove to himself that he's not just the guy from Harry Potter. Now he's Weird Al. That's like his new legacy is portraying Weird Al. No, oh, really? In the Weird Al Yankovic um, biopic that was like amazing apparently. I was remember him from Now You See Me, Now You Don't, which has a roller coaster too, by the way. Really? Also, he is in um, <laughs> that Divine Comedy, Divine Angels comedy with uh, Steve Buscemi. Uh, anyway, anyway, in any case. <laughs> so let's go inside. So into the British Ministry of Magic. Um, first of all, the, the overall building and the show building and the theater all combined is by far the largest show building setup. It's huge. Of anything at, <laughs> at the Universal Land of Resort, larger than Gringotts, larger than whatever, anything else has to offer, which is a, a cool start. The only show building in Orlando bigger than this building is probably Cosmic Rewind. If, if, even, if that. If even bigger. Uh, maybe taller, but... So Ministry of Magic and how they're going to work their magic in this is, if anyone is familiar with the franchise, it is, uh, you know, very stark black brick interior with uh, red balconies and windows. And then it kind of just goes on, you know, forever. And so how they're going to do that is they're going to build almost like a, like a full skill um, entry hall. And then they're going to build like a forced perspective kind of way up to the ceiling where it looks like it's very tall with a big fountain and a flying mill, all that kind of stuff. And then it's going to be one of those LED screens, um, much like the Born Sternacular, super modern, incredibly crisp LED screen that's going to make it appear as if that Ministry of Magic goes on forever, while in reality it's just a wall, right? And then um, within the British Ministry of Magic is where the Q and Ride are going to be located, um, which, as of right now, if we're not mistaken, it's kind of like a Trackless Dark Ride. We don't exactly know the details of the ride. It's been prescribed by people inside us. Kind of like a trackless dark ride, maybe not entirely. Um, Universal historically hasn't really done trackless dark rides, so I'm not sure what exactly we're going to expect. But there's also been talk about moving elevators and moving pieces. It sounds like they're moving it, it around. It sounds a little bit like um, some of the technology that they used for Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, where like the screens move in unison with the vehicle to create to help build that depth um, perception, so that it doesn't look like you're staring at a flat screen, right? And there's so much that's going to happen on that ride that I, I think we can already kind of tell it's going to happen based on, especially the fifth movie, where they spend a lot of time in the Ministry of Magic, especially yeah. towards the end of the movie with all the glass balls coming in and, you know, the the fight between the Order of the Phoenix and, and the Death Eaters. Um, lots is going to happen, and I think that makes me so incredibly excited because I still remember I was on vacation in America, and I, I went to IMAX 3D, and this was, this was before all the movies were entirely 3D. It was one of those points where, like, the glasses started flashing on the screen. You had to put your uh, IMAX glasses on, <laughs> and then you had, like, 20 to 30 minutes of the, of the end of the movie that was in 3D or something. And I still remember we were on vacation in Los Angeles, and um, I had my first ever Wetzel Pretzel. Wetzel! Which you'll appreciate. Wetzel! And it was right by the airport. It was right in, uh, in Westchester. You know, like, where they <laughs> built those apartments right by the on-ramp? Oh, uh, yeah, where we used yeah, to do so musters. Exactly, <laughs> right there. So we went to see um, the fifth movie, Order of the Phoenix, in IMAX. And I put on the glass. I still remember all the glass balls would, like, fall, you know, and, like, all the all the crashing of, of the glass. Yeah. And then that in 3D, I was like, it's so cool. And I'm really, really, really hoping, and I'm actually kind of expecting that to be a scene in the ride. 
Yeah, Come it on, would it be, be it's, right? it's begging to be recreated the same way that the Gringotts, especially with those new level screens and stuff, are happening. It's like it's, it begs to be done. And then I don't exactly know what the because a lot of the Ministry of Magic going around it means using the elevators that go sideways and upwards and downwards. I don't know if that's going to be simulated or if it's going to be an actual physical elevator system, almost like Rise of the Resistance. Because the ride is supposedly two stories, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so it, that it makes sense. It's not like the first time touching elevators. Like um, Transformers uses elevators. Right. So um, I would kind of like the that. The thing about Transformers is like they don't even use the elevators as like a thematic moment. The, well, they, they do on the, on the way down. On the way down. Yeah. But when you're going up, your sequence of events is like a distraction from the fact that you're going up. You're not even supposed to know that it's happening. For this one, you'll know. Kind of like Rise of the Resistance, where you go up and it's a very cleverly woven in necessity that they've passed off as a plot device. So, so smart. Yeah. So that's going to be really cool. And then um, what's even more fascinating is, you know, especially we, we recently talked about really wanting that expansion to Diagon Alley happening. Loose like that is actually pretty much moved over or even canceled, but most likely gets moved over to um, Wisdom World of Harry Potter at Epic Universe. And that is going to be the expansion pad, which the expansion pad as of right now um, is actually looking like it's going to be developed before the park even opens. So as now we're looking at summer 2025 opening of Universal Epic Universe. And then there is a planned opening of the expansion pad for the Wizarding World for 2026. I don't know what we can expect. I don't exactly know what all the options are. I mean, in the roller coaster will be a cute look, but who am I to decide on that? Um, but either way, it's going to be cool that we're going to probably see construction for it before Epic Universe even opens. That's kind of sick. Yeah. Like, we love a good phase two for the year after, you know? Yeah. I, I'm excited for it to just... Yeah, sometimes the phase two stuff can be some of the best, most important stuff. I mean, sometimes it's Flying Unicorn and Storm Force <laughs> Accelerator, but sometimes it's um, Back to the Future. You know what? And for all for all we know, Phase 2 is already being constructed right now because when you open a brand new theme park, I just feel like inevitably there's going to be something that's not working opening yet. That's true. Oh, yeah. And some Donkey stuff, Kong comes to some mind. Some stuff is so, accidentally, yeah. I was going to say, know? some stuff is inadvertently part of Phase 2. Like, when Universal Studios Florida first opened, it was like, well, they had four rides for Phase 1, but only two of them worked. So, they kind of, and then, like, they got the other one, they got Confrontation online, and then they built Back to the Future, and then Jaws, by, like, 1994, like, was finally cooperating. But, um, yeah. So, let's look at the park overall and, and kind of talk about some of the things that we're excited for or that we're not as excited for. I think we'll start with things that I'm kind of mad about or what I think could be improved from what I'm hearing right now. There's not a whole lot um, because this is one of those theme parks that they're just going to build and it's going to be like full of stuff already. Like, I mean, we're talking five roller coasters. We're talking two, we're talking three e-ticket roller coasters. I mean, e-ticket dark rides. Yeah. You know, like top top of class, augmented reality, complete physical sets, perhaps even trackless moving, LED screen, dark ride. I mean, it's going to be... Let's say three of the coolest dark rides in the world will be here. Um, apparently, originally, Jurassic World from Beijing was actually designed to also be the Epic Universe, but it makes sense that they're not going to put Jurassic World in two parks. Yeah, so that's fine. Apparently, that was developed before they like before they even knew what they were going to do with Velocicoaster and like if that was going to be for all intents and purposes, Velocicoaster could have been a flying dinosaur, could have been just generic. Yeah, in Japan. 
Flying Dinosaur, despite coming out after Jurassic World became a thing as yeah. a movie franchise, it was just still like a generic Jurassic Park roller coaster. Um, now I wonder if, on the topic of Osaka, if they're going to turn Flying Dinosaur into Jurassic World. I could see ride. them like retconning it, but I could also see them like. Well, I, Flying Dinosaur the, is probably going to stay the same, but River Adventure is probably going to become gonna Jurassic, Jurassic World. World. Yeah. But they work together. I mean, it works fine in. Uh, in, in Florida, even yeah. though, obviously... I could see them having originally been tempted to keep the Jurassic Park area in Islands of Adventure just Jurassic Park and then doing Jurassic World in the New Gate and keeping yeah. the timelines That's separate. what I was thinking. That's yeah. why I'm a little surprised that it didn't, but... But I could well. also... With Epic Universe, it's like there was four other... Well, five, really, if you count the hub. Like, things that were worth doing and... Jurassic Park, the Jurassic Park area in Islands of Adventure needed so much work anyway that it really needed Velocicoaster badly. And I just feel like you can design a ride like Jurassic World and Universal Studios Beijing, Beijing and, and then not bring it elsewhere. Once. Yeah, but you know what? There's always maybe Puerto Ventura. <laughs> That's a whole different episode. Oh yeah, whole different story. Buckle up. Um, buckle up. Buckle up. <laughs> What are you most excited for, though? Like, what are you most excited for? I know I kind of already mentioned it a um, bit, I think the thing... There's a lot of things I'm excited for. All of the major roller coasters I'm excited for. Some more than others. I'm cautiously excited for, like, Donkey Kong, because I am worried that it's going to be a hot mess. I guess I'm also cautiously excited for Starfall Racers, because I don't expect it to be better than Velocicoaster. Um, and even still, I may still be disappointed with... Like, I don't know how the forces are going to feel. I don't know how the launches are going to feel. It's not, it doesn't have, like, the same, I don't know if it's going to accomplish the same things that Velocicoaster has already accomplished on a thematic level. No, but thematically, honestly, it's a little weird. The dueling level. aspect of it could really uh, compensate for that. Um, but I would say, objectively, what I'm most excited for, for sure, is the Monsters Unchained for me. Yeah, so I think for myself, um, I'm a little cautious about Starfall races. Like you said, first of all, thematically, it's honestly not a whole lot going on. Um, I don't have a consistent experience with Mac where I'm like, wow, everything they build is always great. In fact, um, I just don't know. Like, there are some Mac rides where I'm like in love and some Mac rides where I'm like, okay, it's cool, but it's not like incredible. Um, I do like the Blue Fire clones. If it's going to kind of ride like that, it may be pretty good. I hope the launches are stronger than the usual Mac launches. You know, stuff like that I'm thinking about. But overall, I'm excited for, for like, a, a hyper-sized coaster um, that's going to be dueling. It's going to be cool from a coaster nerd perspective, um, not thematically, I think, though it may have a nice aesthetic. Um, what I am very, very excited for is, um, like you mentioned, like, particularly the Monsters Unchained, the Frankenstein Experience Dark Ride, because everyone that's been listening to this podcast knows that I'm a complete Forbidden Journey nerd. Yeah. Love that ride. I think it's the coolest ride system. I think it works the best doing it but in all physical scenes i mean count me in and then i just know that anything harry potter is going to be quality yeah they have they have like a contractual (laughs) obligation to make it the best themed experience in whatever park it's in or whatever however it's worded by warner butters and jk rowling so i know it's going to be a good quality i know that having the ministry magic has been a dream for so many including myself so i'm really excited for that and um it's kind of fun because i don't exactly know what we're going to get um you know, because it's like a new Potter ride. Yeah. You can kind of figure out what they're going to do on Hagrid because it's all outdoor and they're building it. 
You know, so it was kind of obvious. To yeah, figure I, out I guess I would doing, say but... the indoor rides are the ones that I'm most excited about I have because no clue. those are the ones that are going to be the hardest to predict. Exactly. Um, so yeah, and honestly, like a year and a half from now, it seems like far away in a way, but also kind of quick. Um, I can't wait to uh, to hopefully maybe even soft open it as a pass holder or as media, whatever, however, which way we get it, maybe soft open it, it'd be really cool. But either way, super, super excited for Epic Universe. And to all of our listeners, I hope you had an epic time listening to this epic preview <laughs> of Epic Universe. You're so cheesy. No, baby. Cool. <laughs> and then uh, make sure to uh, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you're listening. We'd appreciate five stars. Help us grow. Share the podcast with the theme park, loving family, nerds, or your Orlando vacation family and friends, anything. You can also find us on Threads, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and of course, thecoasterkings.com. This is Sean. This is Alex. And thank you for listening to the Coast Kings Radio, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.